Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 145 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a great start to your day. I'm actually recording this episode in November. And uh, one of the things I've been trying to do with the STC podcast is just to get a, a little bit further ahead with the episodes. And But don't worry, each of these episodes are, are relevant. I just, uh, for my own self-care, and as I kind of go into different ventures at both with STC and with private practice, I just, more than anything, I, I want to be thoughtful about self-care and also thoughtful about, uh, you know, not about building a career that just around my family and around my loved ones. And I think doing things like this can be uh, hopefully helpful. So anyway, long random ramble. But today's podcast conversation is with Amy Van Slambrook. And Amy is a clinician down in Florida. And she's an active member of the Selling the Couch community. And one of the things that I've just really appreciated about Amy is her heart. And you can tell even in some of the comments that she makes that she makes it because they're not just like they're real, they're practical and helpful tips, but you feel like what she's doing in the world is much bigger than just a private practice. And I wanted to, you know, I kind of honed in on that. And I was like, you know, it'd be so neat to have Amy on the podcast, just talking about her private practice journey and some of the things that uh, she's learned along the way. And more specifically, we're actually talking a good chunk of the first little bit of the this episode is just about Amy's private practice website and how she actually like intentionally chose graphics on her private practice website that wasn't that spoke to sort of a deeper calling, a deeper purpose for her life and for her practice. And then we talk a little bit about some of the niches and this was actually not scripted at all, but Amy actually goes into just a very hard and a very dark season of her life and how that motivated her to go into private practice and actually motivated her with some of the the populations and the niches that she works with. And then uh, we... Amy actually provides kind of a cool service, which is, uh, it's kind of a supplemental service, at least at the time of this recording, but uh, she actually does email sort of sessions with clients. So she uses a HIPAA compliant 
email platform. You guys will learn what she uses. But um, she does that. And then we talk a little bit about what's worked with that format and what's not worked when it comes from a business perspective. And then we wrap up with, I know this is something that a lot of us are doing, which is we're doing counseling, coaching, and consulting, either all three of those or some combination of at least one of those. And some of the things and with her website and some of the things that Amy has thought about with regard to offering both counseling services and coaching services. So we'll get right to today's session. Uh, Here's my conversation with Amy Van Slambrook from amyvanslambrook.com. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Thank you, Melvin. I'm so excited to be here. I'm uh, so glad we could finally make our conversation happen. It's uh, something I've been looking forward to. I feel like you're just, you're just doing so many things with your career and uh, just looking forward to hearing all of those things. Mm, well, thank you. It really is um, such an honor to be a part of this. I've gotten so much from everybody else who's contributed. So thanks. You're welcome. I was trying to decide like where we should start. And I just thought, you know what, let me just pull up Amy's website and and we can kind of start there. So um, and if you guys are that are listening, if you want to follow along, Amy's website is our private practice website is at amyvanslambrook.com. So A-M-Y-V-A-N-S-L-A-M-B-R-O-O-K, all one word and then dot com. So uh, On that website right now, at least the way when we're recording it, right? So the way it's set up is you have some scrolling graphics right at the top, Mm -hmm. right? So you have ones that say, uh, I'm actually going to just read through it. It says, learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. You have a second graphic, which is like those stones that, you know, you can put the words on and it says things like happiness and believe. And then you have a third one, which is actually just two sets of hands and they're almost like positioned toward the sun and they're creating this like heart logo. I've always, I don't know, I'm a very visual person. I've always just been fascinated by what makes clinicians like select the things that they do visually, right? So for you, like what made you select those? Well, I can honestly say it took a lot of analysis and I probably <laughs> analyzed way too much, which was a takeaway. But to me, they were really soothing and also inspiring at the same time, which is kind of a hard blend to get. And it really was sort of the foundation of what I wanted my potential clients and anybody who visited to feel from me, you know, that it was both a a place to land and rest, but a place to also recharge. That's what I was looking for when I was looking for a therapist or a coach and somebody who really has that compassion, but also is going to energize me. And so, you know, at the root of it all, and I kind of looked at the heart and I thought, is is that really fit my niche? But it really does because it's it's really love at the heart of it all. And that's really, in my life, my highest calling, my greatest command and really where I want people to feel that sort of unconditional um, love. And no matter how long they're there, if it's just a brief stop by, um, just hope to, to convey that. So... I mean, it's, uh, you just said that just so beautifully. I was like pausing, like reflecting on it because I think like what you're saying is as potential clients come to your website, they're in some sort of distress and more than just saying, you know what, like 
come schedule an appointment with me, you make this very subtle thing, which I think is so like smart and powerful and which is, you know what, before any of this, just rest, you know, like recharge, feel comfortable, you know, like, yeah, know that even if you don't schedule with me, like, there's a sense like almost the I don't know if I'm like putting words into your mouth, but like, there's a sense of like, you're taken care of, you know, and you're yeah, on the <laughs> website. Yeah, thank you, because that's exactly how I want people to feel. You know, I really hold on to that sort of capture very loosely, because I think it's it's about a bigger purpose. And if people really sense that that's where you're approaching them, not from a place of selling or, or trying to, to get their business, but really trying to give. And I have to say, your podcasts, you know, so many of the podcasts out there really emphasize that, you know, give to them and the right ones will come back to you. Yeah, no, I, that's what I, uh, one of my most favorite things about the medium of the podcast is that it's just like a natural giving platform. I wanted to ask you, like, just with what you said, so I, one of the things I try to do is read at least one book a month, usually related mm-hmm. to business or, and the book that I'm currently reading, actually, as we record, this is a Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and such a, just started it two days ago, but it's such a good book. And I, it reminded me of what you said is that one of the arguments that he makes in that book, and I guess related to this, there's actually a really good TED talk that he did. It's it's like when TED first started. So like, the graphics are terrible. But uh, yes, I- that that talk, it was just, I don't know, it changed like the way that <sighs> I looked at things, right? Like, because what he was essentially saying is, the companies that make not just do well financially, right? But the businesses that make a lasting impact, they don't start with monetization in mind, they start with a bigger purpose. And I think what you're saying is that's where you wanted to start as well. You wanted to start with the why. Absolutely. And I love that TED talk he did. I used it at a mastermind that I was teaching. And that's really, I guess, as I look back to where it came from was just the way I was raised. And guessing that was true for you too, that it it's really about always about the bigger purpose. And so I'm going to put that one on my list because it sounds like a great read. I just really changes, shifts our whole paradigm. Yeah. And I think what we're both like talking about is like it becomes about the private practice, but it becomes a lot about a lot deeper. So I guess Mm -hmm. one of the other ideas behind that TED talk is there's some connection to actually how our brains are structured, right? So people in general, they connect emotionally with other people with other businesses before they connect logically, right? And so part of what he argues is, and it's not like I, I always struggle with things like this, I don't think it's like meant in a manipulative way. But it's actually just meant more of in an honoring way, like, uh, being able to say, you know what, I started my private practice because I love what I do and I love who I work with and this is who I work with, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a very different conversation than, you know, hey, here's my website. Come on yes. over and schedule. <laughs> Please pay me. Yeah, it completely. And it's such a shift. For me, it was a shift of, of really f- having faith in that. You know, you go from, I went from a really secure corporate job and I won't go into to, too much detail about all that. I don't want to distract us. But it, when I entered into my own private practice, you know, I was feeling 
confident that that's exactly where I was supposed to be. And then when you look at sort of the fluctuations in volume and just natural ebb and flow of your own business, you know, you have to either learn to ride that wave with a whole lot of faith that because you're focused on this higher calling, it's going to be provided for you. And that for me, God is going to provide that. Or you can live in this constant state of fight or flight, you know, total panic. And um, it's about kind of releasing it. And because clients sense it, I really believe. And they, I think that they sense it with companies. The companies, you know, what is his phrase that we don't buy what they sell, we buy what they believe. And that's so powerful. I think I struggled with this a bit with STC initially because, and I feel like all of us maybe struggle with this as we start these businesses. And I imagine most of us are not starting it for to get, you know, give out all this free stuff, right? So we're also thinking about like monetization. And so I felt like I did initially struggle with like, okay, how am I going to monetize all this? But for me, if I'm just really being honest, it hasn't been like exactly like a smooth journey. It's been, I feel like almost like a bumpy ride where I I feel like sometimes I just come back to the same thing over and over again. But I think what I have learned, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, is when I focused on a deeper calling, it opened my mind to different ways like services, products, all those different things that I could provide, as opposed to when I just focused on income. I felt like in some ways my mind kind of almost like hyper focused, but to a like in a in a bad way. Yeah, I total and I was had a very rough journey along the way and just some great teachers. I worked with Dr. Julie Hank. She was one of my first business coaches in private practice and she was amazing because, you know, I had believed all through graduate school, I'm not going to have this scarcity mindset. I'm not going to believe that I'm going to exit grad school and, you know, basically be just above the poverty line. I said, if we go in with that expectation, that's what we're going to get. And that's a great confidence building sort of mindset. But when you actually put that into practice and you're dealing with real life and the stressors and some of the things that feel totally outside of your control, it really came down to a kind of an aha moment. I call them two by four moments where it's just like, okay, think right in my forehead, which is exactly where I need it a lot of times. Just saying, Amy, are you going to believe the fear? And everything that says, are you going to have faith that I'm going to provide for you? And really, that's what it comes down to. And it just jarred me because it's so easy to kind of pass it off. Oh, that's natural. That's just part of it. But it was just compromising my ability to really focus on that higher purpose and the greater good for my clients. And that this was really about putting my own journey um into into a purpose that's about my journey. I talk about the past because that's what I felt all along. My journey was rough and bumpy and I wouldn't change a minute of it because that's what's motivating what I do. But you lose sight of that, like you said, you know, and it's sort of this, it feels a little bit more shallow when you talk about the money, but to me it's about that prosperity, you know, that we are representing this wonderfully um, abundant life for our clients. And they're going to feel a whole lot more secure if we're feeling filled up. And like we have just this, not just monetarily prosperous, but 
prosperous in our souls and in our spirits and all the way around. So it's very freeing. I still have a lot of bumps. I'm not going to say I've got it down. It's going to be a lifelong process, I'm sure. But it's so, so freeing. Man, you just said so many good things right there. I feel like I've always tried to decide, like, (laughs) what do I want to, like, go? There was, you said your journey just had a lot of bumps. And uh, not at all to, like, put you on the spot or anything. But, like, I feel like this is something that we don't often talk about in our field, right? Mm-hmm. And especially like in these online spaces, even like, you know, our Facebook community, any of these, like we see slivers of people's lives. We see the success they've had, right? But we don't often see the bumps in the road, the struggles and all that. I was wondering as you're comfortable and again, to whatever degree you're comfortable, like I was wondering if you could just like share something that looking back was like, oh my gosh, that was a big bump Mm -hmm. in the road. But then I guess more importantly, like, how did you like walk through that? I appreciate your sensitivity, Melvin. You are always so gracious about asking. And I, I really feel like it's not my story to tell. It's a bigger story. So I don't have any reservations about telling it because I think it's about a a bigger story. But I was brought through so much. And and one of the darkest times was really about 17 years ago, um, when I was struggling with anorexia. And I didn't realize how close to death I really was. I was still going to work every day. I was still feeling very functional, even though the people around me were trying to sound the alarm You know, and I was in therapy, but this wasn't a particularly adept therapist, shall we say. I was not his niche. (laughs) Let me just say that. Eating disorders were not his niche. And so he wasn't paying attention to it. And, you know, I remember the morning when I got on the scale and realized I weighed what I did when I was nine. And I, it was very early, again, a two by four kind of moment. And um, I decided to, to, do whatever I had to do to get well. And from that moment, I wanted to make a difference. You know, I want to help other people. I want to, was what was modeled for me. My dad was a professor and a pastor, and my parents were just always in that giving mode. Um, But my therapist, who I found, who is still um, just so dear to me, she's amazing, um, helped me to see the pace of going through my own healing. And it took a long time, a lot longer than I wanted it to, but it was worth every painful step. She didn't give me my healing. She allowed me to work through it and get to it myself, which is a lot harder to do as a therapist. But now, Melvin, you know, when I sit with people who are suffering, and I discovered in that process a lot of childhood trauma and then went through a lot of my own kind of adolescent and adult trauma too. And again, I'm so thankful because for me, it's, you know, God sending me those clients that are going through exactly the same thing, eerily so, so much so that I sometimes have tears prick up in my eyes because I realize how those things have been brought full circle. And if I had not spent the time, if I didn't have a therapist so devoted to make it hard for me to have to work, you know, and really understand myself and realize the strength inside of me, I'd never be able to help that person. Not in the same way, because when they know that you know (laughs) on a level that 
can't be substituted from book knowledge. Um, it shifts the entire dynamic. And it's not about disclosing. I don't do that. But it's, it's well, I do it only when it is helpful to the client. So very, very seldom. But when they get that sense that you've been down that road or you least know what their cuts and bruises feel like, they feel so much safer. Amy, I, I really am just so grateful for you. We didn't actually even talk about you sharing any of those things. And I'm just, I am so grateful for just your heart and your willingness to just, you know, go deeper into imagine was like a very painful, but like very healing uh, process yeah. for you. And I just, I think one of the things I just kept thinking through that is like, I feel like so many of us are wounded healers, right? And so mm-hmm. you have wounded healers that are starting private practices. And I feel like having a set of experiences, right? Like it allows on some level, I, you said it well, and I'm just trying to even articulate it, but like even on something like a website, right? Just being able to be like, oh, I work with eating disorders, right? Versus, you know, I mean, not any level of, you know, the self-disclosure is kind of to every clinician, but I feel like even the copy on a website, right, when you write it, right, with someone who's lived through an experience, I feel like clients connect at a different level with it. Absolutely. I wanted to shift a little bit and just talk about some of the, the ways that you're serving. So you work with a range of concerns from women's issues to chronic health concerns to trauma in general, how did you kind of hone in on those niches? Well, it was interesting because, of course, at first I wanted to have a wide funnel. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just work with anybody, you know, just <laughs> I'll take anybody who needs help. And then I learned, again, through coaching, through podcasts, through really our wise community of therapists out there that and really reemphasizing you will provide so much more value if you allow yourself to niche. And so I really have gotten even more specific to working with women with those particular issues, all of which, interestingly enough, Melvin, stem from a history of trauma. So when you look at women who are dealing with chronic health or who are overachievers and burned out, who are, you know, really struggling in their relationships, they almost always have some wound that's still waiting to be healed. And so I try to include everything because we don't readily talk about our stuff as trauma. It's sort of, well, everybody, you know, that person has trauma. That's real trauma, not my stuff. You know, I wasn't that bad. And so I try to open that up to help them identify which area they might be feeling most immediately. And then you know, also keep it open to those who know they have trauma and need to talk about it or their relationships are suffering, but they all kind of zero back in on that kind of complex trauma. Yeah, that's fascinating. Like how even within your niches, like within the niche of trauma, you've been able to find almost these like micro roads, you know, that they all lead to the trauma, but there is like the nuances are very different. Oh, absolutely. And Bessel van der Kolk has, has, I've done some wonderful courses of his, um, really, really helps to shed light on that. You have email sessions where you communicate to clients via like a HIPAA compliant email Mm -hmm. medium. Well, maybe let's start here. Uh, what made you do that? Well, I found clients were processing a lot over text, which of course is not secure and 
not safe, but I didn't want to shut that voice down. Um, because for people with trauma, the first thing that gets shut down is our ability to verbally articulate. So for people with trauma, they find often that they're writers. And um, before we've done a lot of healing work, they express themselves and they can eventually get to what the issue is. They weave their way through their words. And I found that for myself, when I was responding on Facebook or even responding to emails, this whole different voice opened up within me and people really resonated. And I don't take credit for it, but it really seemed to connect. And so I thought we can have this different dialogue that would be totally different than we might have sitting in the therapy room or over a, a telehealth session. And it's just beautiful because they will you know, express these things that maybe never would come out in a session um, talking, but they do writing. And likewise, I have a slightly different voice, you know, when I'm writing back to them. That's so interesting, because it, uh, it's almost like they get time to kind of process and, and I guess, express it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So in terms of just like, I guess, sharing that service with clients, and I'm always like hesitant to use that word marketing, but like, I think of more like sharing that service with clients. What's kind of worked for you? And then what's been hard? Um, it's what hasn't worked is to try to do that initially, because people really doubt the I mean, efficacy, but how well it works. You know, they it just doesn't sound like you're really connecting, um, especially for men. If a male client will be contacting me, that seems very distant to them. So it works really well with established clients where we have a really deep rapport. And, you know, maybe we've gone through the texting, you know, conversation that, that says, you know, let's put this in a safe place because I want to hear everything that you're saying. Um, it also works well if people are needing some extra support in between sessions, but they don't want to pay for another full session or we can't schedule. Um, it, it really allows them that freedom. Um, it's something that I'm still learning how to market well um, in terms of a, a help because I really believe it helps people. Um, but I, I'm st I still haven't quite hit it. So honestly, it's a work in progress very much. Yeah, I feel like uh, all of our practices are. In all the <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just offhand, because I know people probably be curious. Do you like What's the specific like email service provider you use for the HIPAA compliant? I know like Hushmail is a common one. I use G Suite. Okay. You know, I have a paid level with them. Right. So it seems to work very well. So for those of you guys who are listening, G or Google will sign a BAA, which is mm -hmm. basically saying that they'll put some safeguards in place to guard with confidential information. And that's one option as well. There's another, I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's an extra like a plugin that you can add to Gmail to encrypt it as well. Yes. Uh, and I have that. I can't think of the name of it, truthfully, Melvin, but yeah, I forgot yeah. the name. I'll try to see if I can okay. find it. <laughs> but yeah, do you end up using that one at all? Like at all data different layer or I do. I think I have it set on okay. kind of all the time. I do when I'm transferring, you know, people will want super bills that way and so I wanna make sure that's all encrypted. So, but it makes it difficult on their end sometimes. So I do the double check. Did you get the email? And sometimes it gets filtered out. 
Yeah, so I've heard that too. So sometimes I guess it'll go into a spam folder or... Yes, yes. So if I haven't heard back, I often will do a little check. And sure enough, you know, they were waiting to hear and didn't realize I'd responded. So they went in and checked the spam. Hopefully they get that fixed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Hushmail is like that or not, but... Yeah. I think Hushmail is, from what I know and from what just talking to them, I, I feel like it's just encrypted in transit. I think it's a little different, but I feel like it's less likely to land in spam and all that. So. Okay. I wanted to kind of wrap up with a question and maybe actually have an extra question for you, but you separate your counseling and your coaching services and... You actually put them on two different websites. So your counseling services are mainly at amyvanslambrook.com. And then the coaching services are at amyvanslambrookcoaching.com. I've done something similar for STC. So my private practice is mainly counseling-based. And then, you know, consulting, all that stuff is in STC. For you, like, what made you do that? It was actually a Brighter Vision webinar that I was listening to, and Ray Barrett from Telehealth Certification Institute was on there talking about just some of the ways to handle those tricky situations legally and ethically and to be HIPAA compliant. And he really said to be safe, you want to market those separately. So right away, I thought, okay, I've got to get on top of this because I don't want any commingling. And they really are different services. But it seems logical, you know, to just have one website for everything. And I'm still working on the the coaching name because that's more than two mouthfuls of of a name for a website. Mm -hmm. But I worked with Brighter Vision for my counseling website. And then I'd gotten to know Cat Love through our communities and she helped me with my coaching website. And so it was really a fun process. It took a while to get all that up and running and I'm still kind of working on that piece of it and niching it appropriately so that it reaches my target. But for me, it puts my mind at ease and it helps, I think, clients to know they really are distinct services, but it also keeps me covered Because it's never a good feeling to kind of know in the back of your mind, I really shouldn't be having both things on my website, but haven't gotten around to it. It was a huge relief to just say, ah, I'm all set in good shape. And it was a great webinar. So, Yeah, no, it sounds, it's a lot of stuff to navigate. I feel like there are a lot of our colleagues that are doing counseling, coaching, consulting, right? And so Mm -hmm. how do you sort of weave all three of those, you know, even though, it's one person that's providing all those services, but like legally, you need to. Think yes, about them, so. exactly. Exactly. I actually wanted to wrap up with a question that I kind of thought about when you were starting out. And you said prior to starting in private practice, you had a corporate job. And I just wanted to ask you what do you think you learned from that corporate job, just from a, like a business perspective, that has helped you become a better private practitioner? Oh, wow. It feels like a lot. I really am surprised more and more how I've applied it. It started in grad school. You know, it was sort of getting to share with people, hey, we need to have a a strategic plan. We need to have a mission. We need to approach this as a business. And I kind of took it for granted. And, you know, I had kind of fallen into a director of finance position and the 
healthcare IT department. And um, it just taught me so much about what goes into things financially. Of course, that's also part of what you realize you're not doing when you first start out in private practice and you're trying to do so much. But it was really about outlining, I think, for me over time, this is what I know. You know, these are the components of a really successful, rich, solid business. You know, your business and financial plan, your mission is over and above so important in that vision and really understanding your customer. But then all of those pieces come into play in terms of how that gets reviewed on a quarterly basis. And I didn't realize I'd taken it for granted. And then I thought, wow, this is really something that I would be lost without. So again, all those years weren't wasted at all. I'm I'm applying it daily. And I'm not sure I've even done a good job of articulating it. But I take for granted a lot of what that experience taught me, but I use it with my clients in business. I can relate to them. I understand a lot of their struggles and I can help them because there's an emotional component to business stress as well. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, how do you take years and years of experience and answer to one question, right? Good job, Mal. So. <laughs> no, it was, I should have a succinct, nice, concise answer, but I'm still learning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing I heard in that is, I feel like, I don't know, at least I did this with STC, where it started off as kind of a passion and I wouldn't say a hobby, but it started off as a passion. But I think for many of us that are natural, like, feelers it's very hard to realize that there's all these other like infrastructure Mm -hmm. stuff that you have to put together in a business that just being passionate about something while for example not thinking about you know a privacy policy on a website or you know like yeah those different things like you have to like bridge that gap and it sounds like what you've kind of learned is that passion is wonderful but always think about some of the other aspects that go into creating that foundation and making that foundation strong. Absolutely. See, beautifully summarized. <laughs> you hit it on the nose, of course. Amy, I am so grateful for you. What are some of the best ways that we can learn more about the services that you provide and the work that you're doing in the world? The best way is probably through my website, the amyvanslambrook.com. Um, through that, I've got my phone number where you can text, leave voicemail, my email, all of that is on the website. So that's easiest. Perfect. Amy, thank you again for doing this. Oh, thank you. This was such a privilege. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amy, and I hope that it's given you some new ideas in terms of what you want for your private practice. Before uh, I get into some of the the key takeaways from this session, I I wanted to actually just quickly mention, so Amy and I had talked about a potential for Gmail, um, just a a piece of software that actually encrypts emails and adds that extra layer of protection, and that's called Virtru. Uh, It's V-I-R-T-R-U, and uh, that's basically a program that, that encrypts emails that you send to clients and makes it HIPAA compliant. You know, I was actually, uh, maybe it's because uh, I'm reading that Start With Why book right now with, again, uh, that book is Start With Why, and it's with um, Simon Sinek. And 
and maybe it's because I'm reading that book right now, but I've been thinking a lot about the, some of the ideas that are presented in this book. So there's a TED Talk. Um, so if you go to TED.com and uh, just search Simon Sinek, it's S-I-M-O-N and then S-I-N-E-K. I believe that the talk is called Start With Why, but it's a really good TED Talk to check out. And one of the the key points in this TED Talk is that most companies start out with telling people. So I think this is applicable to our practices, but most practices or most businesses or most companies start out with saying uh, what they do, how they do it, and why they do it, right? And what he argues is you actually need to flip that around. So you need to, in all of our messaging, right, we need to start by saying why we do it, how we do it, and what we do. And there's a lot of like, physiological and brain related things as to why he recommends that. So I definitely encourage you to check out that TED Talk and then check out the book as well. It's a, it's a good read. And if you do want to support the blog, um, you can actually purchase that book through Audible. Uh, if you just go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Audible, you can actually get that book for free. Um, that's an affiliate link. And then uh, you can check it out there as well. So again, uh, show notes to today's episode are over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 145. And uh, I realize that I'm recording this in November, but if everything goes according to plan, the Selling the Couch directory, which I have worked on here for the last 15 months, will actually go live at the end of this month and early next month. This is just a dream that, you know, in in having all of these podcast conversations, I keep hearing just a couple of different things. And one of the main themes is how difficult it is to connect as private practitioners with one another, how to cross-refer clients that may not be good fits for us, and then how to also just find clinicians that work in the same niches and populations we do. And then And if we need consultations on specific things, how do we find those who provide that consultation? And so the directory um, basically will allow us to do all of that. And you can learn more about the directory over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. It's always scary to put out new things into the world. And I have a ton of fears around it, but the reception has been really good. And I would love for you to be a part of it as well. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, take good care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.